You know, I think the important thing is listening to what the need of the patient is and not not trying to diminish what their symptoms or what they are feeling are. And that is one thing that my family was incredible with was that when I was, you know, having a stomach ache or a headache or something from, you know, as a result of my accident, they were there for me. They were, you know, they were getting me what I needed in terms of food or medicine or drinks or even just riding around in the car. I'm Jamie Mo Crazy, and you're listening to Life Deaths Mo Crazy, where we'll hear from people who've either been through a trauma or helped someone else through it. Listen and learn strategies you can implement in your life so when a metaphorical avalanche slides you down the mountain of life, you can climb an alternative peak with the best view. After a little hiatus, Life Gets Mo Crazy is back and we have a 2023 covered by an awesome sponsor who would like to remain anonymous. And this individual is a stroke survivor who listened to these podcasts and was so inspired to make changes and do things in his recovery that he wants to support Life Gets Mo Crazy. So we are brought to you by an anonymous donor. I'm here today with Madison Bauman. And in 2005, she was in Park City on a vacation with her family. And they were heading down the road to Salt Lake City when they were T-boned by a dump truck at an intersection of Kimball Junction. And instantly, her life flipped upside down. She was the only person injured, and it was a dramatic change to her life that she has overcome, and I'm so excited to talk with Madison about where she is now and a little bit more about the accident and how her life changed in the blink of an eye. So welcome, Madison. Thank you for having me, Jamie. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited to talk with you as well, because, I mean, getting T-boned by a dump truck could happen to anybody. And that kind of an injury just changes your life instantly. Absolutely. And it changed my life in more ways that I could even count. I was 11 years old when it happened. And I thankfully don't remember the accident. I remember leaving the hotel room in the morning. And then the next thing I knew, um, so the accident was on June 20th in 2005. And the next thing I remember was sometime after July 20th. And I was in the hospital and I kind of knew what was going on, but not really. And um, it's kind of funny because I I was blinded by the accident. I'm completely blind in my left eye and I only have about 20% vision in my right eye. And I underwent, I don't even know how many surgeries. I have 28 titanium plates in my forehead. Um, I was hurt from the bridge of my nose up and that was it, which was incredible. I'm my brain injury was the worst it could have been, and I somehow still managed to come through it. And I, ironically, I think the f- the funniest thing to me was I was more concerned that they'd cut my hair than any of the other other injuries that I'd sustained. <laughs> well, 
that's what you get for an 11 year old, you know, my hair, you can't cut that. (laughs) (laughs) So you said you had some surgeries and you came out, were you in a medically induced coma for a period of time or you had, it sounds like to me, you had serious amnesia for at least part of it because you have no memory. Um, Let's dive into that a little bit more. Yeah. So, I mean, I, from what I know is I, you know, so we were, we were in the accident. Um, I was with my dad, his girlfriend and her daughter. Um, Thankfully there was a doctor at the intersection who came over and kept me alive until the paramedics got there. And I sadly don't remember what her name was. She wasn't one of my actual doctors, but it was, it was a miracle that she was there. Um, and you know, so I was sent to primary children's hospital and I underwent surgery and I was in a medically induced coma for four days. And then they woke me up from the coma and I, I was in the, uh, pediatric intensive care unit for two weeks before I was sent to the neurotrauma unit where I spent the next six and a half weeks. And I think it was just the trauma that my body was trying to protect me from that was preventing me from remembering what had happened. Wow. And so then what happened um, as soon as you left the hospital? Then did you go to outpatient? Did you fly home? Yeah. So I was pretty lucky that I... um, I was discharged from the hospital and I didn't have to go to any kind of outpatient or rehab facilities. I was just sent home with, you know, with some restrictions of, you know, no, I wasn't allowed to lift anything that weighed more than five pounds. I couldn't open a car door. I wasn't allowed to blow my nose, you know, just like little things that you don't really think about, but can really impact a brain injury. And, um, I'm, I'm originally from Northwest Washington, a small town called Port Angeles. I was in Park City on vacation. And so we, we stayed in Utah for a few days after I was discharged to make sure that, I was going to be okay. And then we hopped on a plane and flew back to Washington where I continued my recovery and kind of just started my new life. I had been a, a really active kid. I played soccer and softball. I was a ski racer. I ran, I lived outside. And then, you know, in the blink of an eye, I wasn't allowed to do any of that anymore. And I kind of just had to learn how to be a kid again. And you know, a kid who then couldn't do all of the things that she had loved to do the day before. And, um, you know, and so it was, it was regaining friendships. It was making new friendships. It was trying to learn how to, how to learn in school without being able to see the chalkboard or the whiteboard and what the teacher was, was writing up there. Um, and I had a really great, I had a really great support system with my family, with my best friend, whose name is Garth. We've been friends our entire life. Um, he, he protected me. He carried all my books. He'd walk me from class to class. He would, you know, help make sure I had everything I needed to, to succeed. And um, I think what really helped me come through it was in the spring of 2006, I was given the clearance by my doctors to kind of go back to normal life such that it was. And I started golfing, which was the first time I'd ever picked up a golf club in my life. And it just kind of opened my eyes that life wasn't over and that I was able to continue on my, you know, my journey of being an athlete and being a kid. Yeah. And that brings us to my next question. 
was it emotionally challenging when your identity was ripped away? And it sounds like golf helped you bring your identity back. But what in your mind, is there a time when you were suffering emotionally and you made the change? And what change did you make to rebuild your new identity? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. And I think, you know, a lot of people ask, you know, like, did you did you ever go through a depressed state? Were you ever sad? Were you ever, you know, just kind of like my life is over. And I think because I wasn't supposed to live and I did with very, very limited, you know, deficits, I never went through a depressive state. I never went through that, that, you know, sadness of my life is over until I was older, because I think at the time I didn't really understand the full effect of what had happened to me. You know, I was just a kid when it all happened. And I think I kind of just saw it as I'm still here and I'm still alive and I'm still, I do still have eyesight and I do still have my memory and I'm able to talk and walk and write and go to school and do all the things that, you know, that I needed to do at the time. And it was just my sporting identity that had kind of been taken away from me. And, and so I think then, you know, going back towards that sporting world helped me realize that being outside was another way of healing and another way of, of getting back to where I wanted to be. Yeah. And having, um, a range of family caregivers, I use the definition of family caregivers as individuals who voluntarily care for somebody who went through a trauma. They are not all blood-related family. Um, as you mentioned, your best friend, I would consider him a family caregiver. And the fact that he could carry your books and take care for you um, really helped the recovery process, I would imagine. Yeah, you know, it was it was my best friend Garth, it was my mom, it was my grandma, it was my whole family that really just stepped up to help me get to where I am today. And I, you know, I talk to my family every single day on the phone. They all still live up in Washington and they are just a huge support system in my life still to this day. Yes. So speaking of where you are now, let's jump ahead a little bit. So you went, we can touch a little bit more about going through regaining your identity and building it up. As you mentioned, um, the only thing that was really taken away from you was your love of sports. Mm -hmm. And I believe you found that love again, and you found a way to contribute to sharing that love with other individuals who've gone through traumas in their life or are born with deficits. And so why don't you share what you do now? Yeah. So, um, you know, in finding, in playing, starting to play golf, that kind of reopened my, myself into the sporting world. And it kind of helped show my family that I was still able to get out and recreate. And it took me a couple of years, but I, I've been skiing since I was two years old. And so it was something I never wanted to give up. And I was able to convince my mom that there, you know, through the Adaptive Sports uh, Alliance up in Whistler, Canada, that I could continue skiing with the support of a VI guide, a visually impaired guide. And so I started skiing as a blind skier when I was, I think, 13 years old. And every year we would go up there. And one year I had an instructor 
with the Whistler program who had worked for an organization previously called the National Ability Center. And the National Ability Center is located in Park City. And at that point, I was 16 or 17 years old. And I was starting to look at, you know, after high school and where I wanted to go with my life and things like that. And he told me, if you move anywhere, you move to Park City, Utah, and you go ski with the National Ability Center. So I looked it up and I said, great, let's do it. And about 11 and a half years ago, I moved here to Utah. And I lived in Salt Lake City for about seven years. And I got connected with a person named Tom Holmes, who worked for the National Ability Center. And he started driving me up to Park City every weekend to ski with the NAC, as it's known. And I kind of started to fall in love with the uh, with the people, with the mission, with everything that the NAC stood for. And um, I was trying to, you know, I found out that there was a, a section in the Paralympics for blind skiers. And so I thought, hmm, maybe I'll try ski racing again and um, pursued that for about a year, but it ended up not working out in the way that I hoped it would. But it turned into a job with the National Ability Center. And so now I have been working with the NAC for about four and a half years at, on the reservations team. And I'm now the reservations supervisor with the NAC. And I get to help make everyone who finds out about us and wants to come out to participate with us dreams come true and getting them set up with their lessons. Yeah, I love the National Ability Center. After my traumatic brain injury, I actually relearned to ski and went back to skiing with the National Ability Center. Um, I was based out of Park City, Utah prior to my injury, and uh, I just went back to them right away afterwards. And I didn't realize at the beginning how fortunate I was. And now I know how fortunate I am that I would like to share that information with anybody and everybody, because there are so many individuals who've had something like a traumatic brain injury, and it can cause eyesight loss, which is what happened with you, or it can uh -huh. cause a balance issues. And they say, I used to ski. I would love to ski again, but you know, there's no way I can do it. I just can't because mm -hmm. I can't balance enough. It would be too dangerous. And I'm like, if you want to ski again, any person who wants to ski, the National Ability Center can help you safely go skiing, which is so cool. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we have all kinds of, of adaptations that we can put out there on the hill to help anybody get out and ski, whether they had a traumatic brain injury or if they've lost a limb or, you know, if they have any kind of disability, we can make it happen. Yeah, which is really cool. And you can make it happen in the winter, like we talked about with the skiing, and then also in the summer. Um, why don't you share what the National Ability Center offers in the summer? Yeah. So in the summer, we have so many programs that we offer um, from road biking to mountain biking, archery, indoor and outdoor climbing. We have a 40 foot tall challenge course, which is a, you know, a giant obstacle course off the ground. Um, we have summer camps that we offer from the first week of June to the second or third week of August for individuals eight years and older. 
We have rafting down in Moab, which is a ton of fun, and the entire family can come out for the rafting program. We do water sports and paddle sports out of the Jordanelle, all kinds of outdoor activities. You name it, we've got it. Which I think is one of the uh, coolest things um, that there are different um I personally love the National Mobility Center so much, but there are other ones in different areas. So if you are listening to this podcast and you have experienced a life-changing trauma and you have disabilities and you don't think that you can do these things and you're like, well, there's no way that I will ever be able to do this, go on a challenge course because I'm in a wheelchair, look and look into the different opportunities close to you, or you can come out to the National Ability Center and you can stay in an Airbnb or they can put you up at the center. So there's just options. So don't think that you permanently can never do these activities again. There might be options that you didn't even realize were available to you that will help you get back outside. And getting back outside is so healthy for every human. We we need to have time outside and fulfilling fulfilling our lives because if you have experienced a trauma like you and me, we're still here. We're still alive. We have a second chance at life. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to use that second chance. And um you were 11 and I was 22. So I was like exactly double your age. But no matter what age you are, when you experience a trauma, one of the most important things is even if you don't have that mindset, um, which it sounds like you you grew up with being 11, that like life's still going on and continuing, you can build that lifestyle and you can build that mindset because too many people after they encounter a trauma just see, oh, I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do this. And all the deficits and all the challenges, but look at what you have and and every opportunity that you have. Absolutely. Yeah. Speaking of opportunities, what would you say if you had just met somebody who their family member had just been T-boned? So we're talking to the caregivers. So they're trying to take care of their family member and they just experienced a traumatic brain injury. What advice would you give to them, the, the family caregivers? You know, I think the important thing is listening to what the need of the patient is and not not trying to diminish what their symptoms or what they are feeling are. And that is one thing that my family was incredible with was that when I was, you know, having a stomach ache or a headache or something from, you know, as a result of my accident, they were there for me. They were, you know, they were getting me what I needed in terms of food or medicine or drinks or even just riding around in the car. And so I think it's really important to know that whatever this person is experiencing is is what they're there. It could be for the rest of their life. It could be for the next 10 minutes, but you need to be there to support them. That's some great advice. And what advice would you give to somebody whose life just changed in the blink of an eye? You know, I think for me, what really helped was that I was given that second chance at life and not necessarily to look at yesterday, but to look at tomorrow and to say, whatever happened yesterday happened yesterday. And now I can move forward and learn from that experience and I can make tomorrow better. 
and and improve, you know, if I failed at something today, I can say, all right, well, that didn't work for me. I'll try it differently next time. I love that concept of like, don't stay too stuck on the past and look at the future and, and set attainable goals is what I always share um, to reach growth goals because your life has changed and you do have different opportunities and you do have different struggles. So look at what is actually attainable and start working on that. And for most individuals, no matter how much your life has changed negatively, it's just as much positively. I know for me personally, that before my accident, I lived an amazing life. And that was fantastic. I I lived an amazing life. However, I wasn't as open to caring for other individuals or realizing that everybody has stories that they're going through. And so you get way deeper and you can understand the world a little bit differently. Totally. And I always say, you know, I try to wake up every morning with a smile on my face and I go to bed with a smile on my face. And it doesn't matter what happened during the day because tomorrow's a new one. And as long as I wake up with a smile and I go to sleep with a smile, I know that I can do better the next day, or I can experience life differently the next day. And that's what matters for me. So as you're, as you're trying to go through things, like let's say that you're talking to a survivor who has experienced this trauma and they feel like most of the time they're, they're pretty happy, but they, they don't really know what they should do with their life. And they feel a little bit confused what piece of advice would you give to them? Man, that's a great question. I think, you know, so like when I had my accident, my goal in life the day before was I was going to be a professional soccer player. That was my dream. And then I had to figure something else out because I wasn't allowed to play soccer anymore. And so it was kind of just, um, you know, experiencing life to the fullest and trying to find out what it was that I loved to do. And, uh, you know, for I love math. Numbers have always been my favorite thing. And so for a while I thought, well, I want to be a math teacher. I want to pursue that dream. And and then my life kind of shifted again. And I discovered that I didn't want to spend my time in the classroom and I wanted to continue to be outside and to help others find their dreams and pursue their goals. And, and that's, you know, a part of that was, you know, working with the National Ability Center and discovering that anything is possible, no matter what your ability is. And being at a place where disabilities are empowered, and you're encouraged to pursue whatever dream it is that you have. And so whether it's, you know, riding a bike again, or writing a book, you know, you can do whatever you set your mind to. And wherever you have to ask for help along the way, you do. And that, you know, whatever it might be, you got to do it and you got to just go for it because you never know what tomorrow is going to bring and you want to live to the fullest today. So if someone's listening to this and they're just like, oh my gosh, Madison made me so excited. Like, I want to see how, I want to contact the National Ability Center. I, I want to go skiing. Maybe I'll try this again. What would, how would they contact the National Ability Center? 
yeah, so we we have a great website that's it's called discovernac.org and all of our programs are listed on there with pricing and descriptions and things like that. They can reach out to us via email, our reservations team. We are in the office 7 days a week. Our email is reservations with an s at the end at discovernac.org or they can give us a call at 435 649 3991 and anyone on our team can help you get set up with an account and lessons and whatever you are looking to do. That's amazing cuz I I love what the National Ability Center can offer. If um we're going to so if people are interested in contacting you um and looking up just some about your uh blind skiing and things like that, uh how can they find out more information about you? They're welcome to reach out to me and I'm I'm more than welcome to share my story with them. Um, my email is madisonb at discovernac.org and I'm I'm very open about my story. I am I don't really hold anything back. So if anyone has any questions, they're more than welcome to email me. And I have some pictures and videos just in my personal photo library that I'm willing to share out and um, can get those to anyone that needs them. Amazing. Um, do you have any last thoughts that we haven't discussed that you'd like to leave the audience with? You know, I think, you know, like I said, it's you never know what today is going to bring. And so you want to live life to the fullest. And for me, having the second outlook on life, the second chance, I I throw myself at anything that's given to me. And I just take it, I take it with as much excitement as I can, because you never know when you're going to be able to do it again. And being able to just walk through life with a smile on your face and that, you know, you never know what's going to happen keeps me going. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. I had so much fun talking with you and I'm excited to see you again soon. Thank you, Jamie. It's been an awesome pleasure to be on the show and I look forward to seeing you again sometime soon as well. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to this episode of Life Gets Mo Crazy. For 2023, we will be interviewing individuals once a month to inspire, motivate you, and give you the education to be able to take the steps to recover from your life-changing trauma and live any life that you love.